Today we're continuing our series around follow, which is essentially talking about the seven attributes of a Christ follower. Now, are there more attributes of a Christ follower? Yeah, you bet. Uh, but these are just some emphasis that we are doing just to kind of preach through some foundational ideas of walking with Jesus. And our desire as a church is what we're doing is we're doing that with each other, right? We're in relationship with each other as we are all walking with Jesus. And today we're going to focus specifically on something that was pervasive in the life and the ministry of Jesus, and that was healing. The fact that Christ in his ministry, for some reason from almost moment one, he emphasized healing. And today we even want to talk about how it applies to our lives today. So I read to you an Old Testament passage that's often quoted then in the New Testament, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Lord, guide us by your word. It is our source for faith and practice. Lord, we commit as a church that we are not led by our emotions. Nor are we led by the circumstances that we face in this very difficult world. But we are led by faith in you and the map and the guide of your word. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. A memoir was written by a gentleman by the name of Henry David Thoreau. It's called Walden. He was... He was a philosopher, if you will. In this book, Thoreau reflects upon a two-year experience where he removes himself and moves to a small cabin beside Walden Pond in Massachusetts. He writes about his observations of nature, his daily routine, his pursuit of self-reliance and simplicity. How many of you have ever read Walden? A couple of you. I'm going to quote something from Walden right now. And I almost guarantee if you're any age whatsoever, you probably have heard it. He said, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Maybe you've heard it a different way where it said, most men live lives of quiet desperation. He would kind of kick off a way of thinking that was very individualistic, and you see such writers as Ayn Rand coming forward and talking about not caring about other people at all, but living secluded lives and independent lives, anti-government, anti-establishment, very individualistic that really took, took power maybe 100 years ago. But this idea of quiet desperation I want to talk about, because I think there's something even for us who experience the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ, I think there's still something about that statement that rings true for us. That the mass of men, most men, maybe even most of us, live lives of quiet desperation. And 
that's true for a lot of different reasons. One of them, which we're going to be talking about in portion today, is physical needs. I've been here since 7 o'clock this morning, and I think I've talked to about 10 people already that have shared with me physical needs. You're here today, you're sitting, you're standing, you're participating in community here, and you feel pain. That brings a sense of desperation. Maybe today you have other needs. Maybe you have an emotional need. Maybe you have a fear. Maybe you have a loved one that is in such great need that it does not maybe go from your mind for just a moment before it comes back. I, uh, I brought in a visual aid today. I took a lot of time on this visual aid. I wanted to make it specific and real. So I stole the jar from my wife's office and uh, filled it up with rocks from the, from the parking lot. So <laughs> We all have things, right? Someone we know that's hurting, and we even have some pains of ourselves, right? things that in quiet desperation we're living with, that we exist with. Why? Because we live in this very fallen place that is the world today. And and they seem to kind of pile up over time, maybe as we get older, broken relationship or some anxiety, some mental illness or physical illness. And maybe you're like me and you feel like you've got a fistful right now. In fact, I had a conversation with somebody recently that was divulging to me one thing that was maybe particularly difficult in this season. And this person felt like they were the only one in the world. I don't know what it is about the stuff that we have that makes us think we're the only one in the world. Right? And I, and I, and I said to this gentleman, I said, well, guess what? You're not the only one that's got stuff. Well, got stuff, right? Some of us have a fistful. How many of you today have a fistful of stuff? Right? You know what I'm talking about. How many of you have two fistfuls of stuff today? Right? How many of you need to borrow the fist of the person next to you to fill up your stuff? Right? We all have these challenges. But here's the thing about Jesus Christ is he comes into our lives and he makes a difference. He takes all of the stuff that is the reality of the challenges of this world. And he comes in and he speaks to them. Often we hear the quote, most men live in quiet desperation. But we never hear the next statement that Walden uh, speaks of, that Henry David Thoreau writes. He, He says, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. But what is called resignation is confirmed desperation. In other words, there are a significant number of people who are resigned to the fact that there's no hope. That there's nothing that's going to change this. Well, guess what? That's not us. That's not us. We may share in their stuff at times. 
stuff of this world that is the challenges. But it's not us. I want to read a passage from 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to try to read it slow because I have a tendency of speeding up when I read. I don't know about you, but I'm going to try to slow down. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though... Now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of troubles. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I want us to focus on this, these words, living hope, because they are in contrast to quiet desperation. They're different. And though at times we feel desperate, we have a hope far beyond it, far beyond what we are experiencing. God provides a living hope through real healing for the worst of our lives' experiences. And that's what this passage tells us. It is found in Jesus. He's the one who brings living hope. Forest County, which is at the northernest part of Wisconsin, almost into upper Michigan, we had uh, just two acres of land that abutted Nicolay National Forest. And from the time I was about 10, I had a gun in my hand. I had a bow in my hand. My dad started bow hunting in the early 70s, so it was all recurve. It was wood arrows, sharpen your broadheads every day. We started shooting in July because you had to practice and practice just to get a decent grouping with your bow. And so I shot bow all year long. Uh, Just recently, I haven't been bow hunting in over 20 years. Just recently, I got a new bow. I took it out of the box. I put an arrow in it. I pulled it back once, shot it dead center. So technology has just changed, right? The whole industry has changed. But when I turned 12 years old, I was able to go up with the guys for 10 days bow hunting together. And it was all men. Uh, there are usually anywhere from a dozen to 15 guys, all from my dad's work, all that got, got, uh, started following Jesus at the same time in the early 70s. But here I was in, in the mid-80s. My dad uh, brought me up bow hunting with the guys. We came in on Friday night, and we had about... Over, over about a 30-mile square radius, we had probably 15 or 20 bow stands that we had set up in trees. Now, this was before the portable tree stands that, that hunters have today. So we'd go up in pine trees, and we'd create a little, little nest for ourselves up in, the, up in the trees. But I'd never been up in the tree. I'd never been bow hunting before. I'd just been shooting my bow. 
Dad brought me in about an hour, hour and a half before sun came up. Dropped me off on the road, and he said, go 200 yards in, find the biggest pine tree. That stand is called the pop can. Crawl up, tie yourself in, and I'll pick you up in three or four hours. Yay. Right? So, you know, my 12-year-old self in the blackest of night, because we always hunted that small moon when it's darker at night, right? Uh, I went in, and it was so dark. And I had the little flashlight, the Superman flashlight. It's very effective, right? Going through the woods, trying to find my way in. And uh, I, I went through, and let me tell you, it was scary. I, I was scared. Like, I, there's bear out there. I know well, not much will kill you in Wisconsin, right? But, but bear will, and there's mountain lions up there, and we had wolves, and we had coyotes, and in my mind, every sound was all of them, right? And I was so scared. My heart was pounding so hard. It just kept pounding. I was drenched, and I'd only walked about 20 feet, you know. I was just drenched, pounding my way through the woods, and after about 15, 20 minutes, found the tree, climbed up, tied myself in. Yeah, we didn't have clip-in harnesses back then. Tied myself into the tree, and I sat there just shaking with fear. I think I was cold, but I'll call it fear, something in between. And as I was sitting there that day, I was so overwhelmed because I had no idea what was out there or what impending danger there was coming for this 12-year-old boy. But the sun came up. I remember, there's, my wife tells me, you remember the strangest things, because I don't remember what she said to me yesterday. I don't know where my wallet is. But I can tell you what happened in 1984, when I stood in that, I sat in that pop can stand, and the sun came up, and the, the dew started to um, crackle the leaves, and the, the morning sun came up, and I could see hundreds of yards down into the valley, into a river, and I saw the river go by, and I saw a deer walk into that river, and it was spectacular and beautiful. And all of the fear of my circumstances just melted away as the sun just came up. That is the living hope of Jesus Christ. That the circumstances that appear in our moments to be so dire, when they are lit by the reality of Jesus Christ, he turns them. In the words of Peter, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of troubles. There is nobody in this room that didn't identify with the rock. Nobody. We all have them. In fact, as a pastor, the first few years I thought, man, there's nothing new I can experience. Like the things that people talk to me about. I used to say this. I used to brag about it to other pastors. I used to say, there is nothing somebody can say say to me that doesn't surprise me or that would surprise me. Nothing can surprise me anymore. I am surprised every week. People talk to me about what trials they're going through, the hard times they're going through. I am surprised every single week and amazed at how hard life is for us. But Jesus. When we hear the word 
healing. It brings back some ideas of, at least it does for me, uh, of a pastor laying hands on somebody and suddenly crutches fall and ears are opened and people can see. We see all of that storyline in, in the New Testament with the life of Jesus as well. And yes, he does that today. We'll be looking at that. But I want to talk to you about the pervasive nature of God's healing, that it's not just temporary, but it is complete healing for eternity. Because death, it is the biggest struggle of all. It is on all of our minds. It is part of the majority of our TV and movies that we watch. Death is everywhere. Why? Because there's just questions. I remember... I remember as a kid watching Law and Order with my, my parents, and I say, hang on, hang on, somebody's about to die. Why? Because somebody always dies in that show. Like the first 30 seconds they find a dead guy. It's the whole story, you know. 25 years that show has been going on. It has three or four derivatives. What it is about? It's about people dying. That's all it's about, figuring out who did it. Death is a reality. Hebrews 9 Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Death is a part of all of our lives unless Jesus returns first. But we don't have to fear it. Romans 5. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all have sinned. That's where the sin comes from. But 1 Corinthians 15, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you ever think about that statement? It's in a lot of our songs. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? In other words, for us, who have come to know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, death shouldn't bother us. There's no real negative effect. Where is your sting? Where is the negative? Now, we all know the component that is negative, and that separation from our loved ones. It's real, isn't it? It's real. But it's temporary. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. I don't know if, let's be practical here, I don't know that no matter how much faith that we possess, that there is not somewhat of a question or concern about death in our minds. But in Jesus Christ, he asks us to have a living hope, something that's alive inside of us that is greater And all of these, 
And all of these fears, all of these questions, all of these hurts, all of these pains, he's not a crutch. He transforms us. Do you get that? He's not somebody to go to when things get hard and when things get a little bit better, you can walk away. He's not a crutch. He's the one who transforms us. As the sun comes up and we see the world different, eternity has changed for us. Because in Jesus Christ, though we have questions and though we have not seen, we believe. And it gives us hope. And hopefully, a peace. Went to a funeral uh, about two weeks ago of a, a pastor. Pastor and his wife. The wife passed away. Uh, they've affected our lives related to Pastor Mark and Suzanne. Uh, we went to the funeral together, and though there was a lot of tears, there was a lot of laughter. There was just a lot of like celebration. It was kind of it was kind of like a weird thing because the kids uh, that were all in their seventies now there are eight of them. Two have passed away. They used to be a touring Christian band, right? And so they got up and they sang all these old hymns together, and it was just fun. It was good for my heart. You guys know what I'm talking about. Something you see is just good for your heart because it transcends the situation. Jesus Christ transcends our situations. Because we don't have to worry about what's coming. We don't mourn like the world. Because we know what is next. It really changes the way we need to view everything. Let's go to healing of our current bodies. Because Jesus still does that. He still heals our bodies today. He still makes a change in the physical makeup of the cells that are going on in this temporary thing. And he heals. How many of you today, I've asked this question in the past, and I got about half of you. Let's see, let's see how many. How many of you can say, I either have experienced or has observed a real miracle of healing in my life? Raise your hand. All right, keep it up and everybody look around. That's, that's pretty significant. That's pretty significant. How many of you are praying for a healing in your own life right now? Raise your hand. Probably just as many. Probably just as many. Isaiah 53 that I read at the beginning says, Surely he took up our pain. Pain is in reference to that physical struggle. Our bodies fall apart. From the moment that we are born, it seems like there's a clock that's counting down. I, I got plantar's fasciitis. 11 months ago, I used to hurt myself, and by, you know, by 10 o'clock that night, it's gone. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, he's like, ah, ah, and then it's gone. Like, you heal. Now, how many of you know it takes a long time to heal the older you get, right? Just slower and slower and slower. Our bodies fail us, but God gives room for healing, even now. Now, we know that the ultimate healing is already done, right? Every single one of us get a new body. Those who believe, 
and have experienced Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We often talk about forgiver and leader in our lives. New bodies, new life. This is temporary, right? There's going to be a, a new heaven and earth. I'm looking forward to it, and I am claiming right now lakefront property. <laughs> Pastor Mark thinks he's going to live next to me. He's trying to figure out if there's going to be fishing in heaven. We had this long discussion. Uh, do you get to fish in heaven? You know, I, I just don't know how that all works, right? And, and if you do fish in heaven, does every cast a catch? Because I think that that would just be missing the whole thing, right? The healing's already paid for. It's a living hope. It changes the perspective. The sun comes up. It's all clear now. But Jesus chose to reveal his power in people's lives through healings of these bodies. And he still does it today. Let's go to Matthew 8, starting with verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand. He touched the man and said, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. The man with leprosy was desperate. There are a handful of emotions and experiences that have a way of driving desperation into us. Pain, pain is one of them. It, it affects our thinking. It affects our experience. I was, I was injured in a basketball injury in which I was watching the game. <laughs> I am completely serious. I was watching the game. Front row seats are not always the best. The player dove into the seats after a, a, a basketball and landed on top of me. The, the chair shattered underneath me, and uh, one of the rods went up into my back. And, uh, and it sounds worse than it was. <laughs> and, uh, and it wasn't so bad then, and it, they called it a, a, a back contusion. But literally, I could not move for three weeks without screaming. And I had to get on an airplane to fly back, right? And so I... I mean, it was miserable. Christine was more miserable than I was because I'm a horrible sick person. Like, how many of you just, just in honesty before God right now will just declare with me, I am horrible when I'm sick. All right, now, now pause for a second. The majority of the hands are men. Horrible. But in my extreme pain, like I couldn't lift a leg, couldn't lift an arm without screaming in pain. Man, it changed the way I thought. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It just kind of changes the way you think. Desperate. The man with leprosy was so isolated. You know what it means to be to be an individual with a disease that can be handed down to another person by touches, guess what? Nobody wants to touch you. Nobody wants near you. 
Why? Because nobody wants your misery. Nobody wants what you got. And that's why it's very interesting that Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. You know, there are so many situations in the scripture that it's just a spoken word by Jesus and a healing happens. A spoken word for a person that's not even within sight but miles away. But Jesus in that moment and in the particular need of the man of leprosy doesn't speak it out. Puts his hand on him and just touches him. The man with leprosy humbly asked, Lord, if you are willing, and he only, and he did. I don't know. That's the answer to the question that you have in your mind right now. I don't know. I'll fill in the question now. Why doesn't that happen for everybody? Why didn't that happen for me? I don't know. Paul at one time says, I've prayed three times for my big need. And I didn't get the answer I wanted. But what did he say in response to that? Your strength was sufficient for me. That all that I needed, that grace that I needed, was sufficient for the need. So so for Paul, he did not get his answer either. Now, we're going to pray in just a few minutes. We're going to pray for our stuff. And I truly believe, as I have observed and many of you, that some of you, God is going to intervene physically for you and heal. Because that's what he still does. It'd be great if it was 100%. Wouldn't that be great? I have a feeling more people would be here next Sunday. But we're just going to give it to God. If you're willing, Lord, I I offer it up to you. Lord, would you come and touch? So healing for our current bodies. But I want to also, before we go further on into just a few moments of prayer, is look to the healing of our hearts and our minds. I, I read at the beginning here, Isaiah, surely he took on our pain, the physical component, and bore our suffering. In the majority of translations, it's sorrow. Surely he carried our sorrow, the emotional component, the mental component. Suffering is not just physical. Suffering shows itself in a lot of different ways. Psalms 147.3 says this, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I don't know if those wounds were physical intention there or not. Often wounds happen as a result of some sort of pain that's inflicted upon us. Those pains are not always physical. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I know it's going to be 100%. For those of you who are awake, 
How many of us have been brokenhearted? How many of us know that that pain can be more severe than anything that can happen to our bodies? Psalms 34.4 I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Just like the pain of being brokenhearted, there is a pain and damage that is affected by something as foundational as fear. Mental pain. It has a way of affecting us in our practical world. It comes out of our heart and our mind and it dictates for us. And all the things that God desires for us, we have to trust him for, to give us strength. You see, there's far more pain that can happen here and here than could ever be affected to our bodies. And it it can equally steer and change our lives. And most often, the pain we experience is pain that comes from someone we trusted. Christ is here to heal that pain as well. I would love today if that was all an instantaneous experience. I know that sometimes God's healing in my life has been progressive especially this stuff and this stuff. Needed to change the way I thought. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, transforming of our minds. But I want you, I want myself to have the living hope that says Christ can heal all of this today. That his healing power is available to us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. Thank you. I'm tricky. Some of you don't know that I'm tricky. You've come today and we've been preaching a message that's been very intentional around my need. So... What has happened as a result of this, even in my preparation, is I really was looking at myself a lot, right? Looking at my pains and saying, Christ, would you come into this? Christ, would you heal? Christ, would you change this? And so we've been talking about that a lot today. So we're going to take a moment. We're going to take our focus off of ourselves. I would ask of you today to do something that may cause you to be a little nervous or I'm just asking you to be bold for just a few minutes. I'm going to ask you to pray for the person on your right and to pray for the person on your left. Now, you don't have to put your hand on them. You don't have to talk to them. I want each of us to know that today, someone's praying for me. It could be the person on one side or the other. I had you get two names, right? And in just a moment, I would like you to take your focus off of yourself. 
remember, what we do in this church community is not to be consumers here. I know it feels like that because there's a guy up here and worship up here and we're all kind of watching. It's not an observation. It's it's a participation. And so we're here to to offer something today. We're going to offer a moment of prayer. And what I'm going to ask you to do, if, if you've never prayed for somebody before, you've never done that before, you can do it just as simply as, Lord, help Tim. I know it's Tim. Tim's, Tim's on my left. Lord, help. Help Tim. Simple. Or, maybe you take a moment and you ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, how in my mind in these next few minutes can I pray for Tim? And just pray that prayer in your mind. Now, we can have, we're, in a few moments, we're going to have people that come up to, to pray for others, and we'll do that. But what I've noticed is you don't really get out of your seats and come for prayer, but I know you too well that you need prayer. But for some reason, we don't want to walk up here in front of other people, so we're just going to do it together today. All right? So we're going to first, we're going to start on the person on our left. So if you, you don't have to talk to the person. So whoever's on your left, I'd like you just to close your eyes and just take a few moments. We're just going to be silent. Call on the name of Jesus for them. Now let's shift the other way. The person on your right, the second name you have, let's focus on that person right now. pray for ourselves. All right. Uh, just a few minutes ago, I asked who had a fistful of stuff. All right. Some of you got two fists full today. And you can identify in these moments, these things that you've been asking for God, or maybe you've not even asked because you think it's impossible. I'm going to be honest with you. I may have a fistful, but I got one. I just need God to show up on this one. I've been praying for two years for this one. I just really want the one. Some of you got a bunch. So what I'd like you to do in these few moments, I'd love for you to just lift up your hands a little bit and open them up. Give these needs to the Lord. These are yours. Do what you will. You've given me a living hope of what is to come, but in this temporary time, it's pretty tough. So Lord, would you come? We offer to you today our stuff, Lord our physical needs. Lord, there are people today who are in pain this very moment. I ask you, two of us have already prayed for this person. 
And now I join in. Lord, we join together. I pray that the pain goes away right now. I pray for those with back pain right now. That even as we are offering up this thing, someone's got something in their hands that just is back pain. Lord, I pray that you would relieve that right now. Lord, I pray for people who have migraine after migraine after migraine. I ask in Jesus' name that they're gone. Lord, I pray for those who have been to the doctor recently and it's not great news. And there have been names that have been quoted of diseases and illnesses that just scare. I pray right now that you would heal. That every x-ray, PET scan, and MRI would just come up clean. And we offer that to you today. Lord, I pray for those who are here today who know what it means to be broken hearted. And as much as they're around people, they feel alone. Lord, I pray that you would flood them with your presence to know your unfailing, unconditional love and your peace that is beyond all of our understanding would fill that broken heart. Lord, because we are beyond worth to you. We are your children. Lord, I pray for those who struggle with things of mind, of fear, of struggles, of of pain, of struggles, of things that people have done to us that have broken our trust. Lord, heal our hearts. Take away our bitterness. Teach us forgiveness. Heal us, Lord, of toxic thinking or things that we just struggle with, Lord. And finally, Lord God, so many of us hold things in our hands today that aren't even our own, but people we love. This isn't my own, Lord. This is, this is somebody I love, Lord. And I'm asking you, Lord, would you Would you heal today this person I love? Would you transform this situation? Because the doctors are just not getting it done. Lord, I thank you that we live today with a hope that does things to who we are. It gives us joy, gives us perspective, gives us a peace, Lord God. That doesn't mean we can't lean into you for healing. And so with our living hope today that everything's taken care of for our future, Lord, we pray for our now. Heal, Lord. The needs we offer to you today. So in these moments, we're going to take some time to worship you, Lord. We again call on the name of Jesus to come into our lives.